Hi, this is the Matt from Dora the Explorer, and you're listening to a podcast where nostalgia comes alive. It's Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. Roll it. Oh, man, I wanted to say roll it, too. <laughs> Welcome to Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, the podcast where nostalgia comes alive. Since July of 2021, Jake and his friends have interviewed professionals in the worlds of acting, directing, writing, puppeteering, and many more. Who will they be chatting with in this week's interview? Find out in this Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show, where nostalgia comes alive. Over here with us, thank you for joining us. As always, I'm your host, Jake Duffenbaugh, me as always, uh, co-host Chris Bixby and Matt Bingo. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Jake. Doing good. Howdy ho, peeps. How you doing? Yes. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for asking. What do we have for today? Our guest for today, um, uh, first of all, special thanks to DJ Bob for helping us uh, connect with him. Um, we love you, Bob. Yes. Our, our <laughs> guest wears uh, different hats. He is an actor, a puppeteer, and he also works in the audio department. We're here to talk about his work in all of those fields. And here he is, Nate Beagle. Nate, happy to have you here. How are you? I'm great. What's going on, guys? The, you know, Jake, you're saying this, the happy nostalgia show, and you're like, where nostalgia comes alive, and all I could think about was... It's alive, it's alive, it's alive! <laughs> <laughs> Need that for when you talk about nostalgia. Do you know what I think, Jake yes. goes, you know, you know what I think about nostalgia? I think that nostalgia... It's alive, it's alive! <laughs> You know, stuff like that. <laughs> that's where it's, it's alive here. It is. We're Absolutely. alive. We're that's all alive. Yes, yes, we're all alive. We're happy. We're, we're happy. happy to be alive. Yes. We love nostalgia. So it's happy. It's happy Absolutely. good times. <laughs> Very happy. And I'm happy to be here. Gosh yes, darn it. Yeah, so we're happy to have you here. <laughs> yes. 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 Of course. So <laughs> you can see the fear pass all of their eyes. They're like, oh my, what have we done? <laughs> Shatner, as Shatner said so eloquently, my God, what have I done? <laughs> so to start this off, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, yes. Hi, friends. I'm Nate Beagle. And um, basically what I say, and I kind of put this on my business card or my, my, little, my little snapshot, is I'm a voice actor and a puppeteer and an audio producer, and I bring characters to life. I bring characters and stories and words to life. That's pretty much what I say and to kind of sum it up. And it goes deep. It goes deep. There's lots of different facets. And there's lots of different meanings behind what is life. You know, it's alive, as we said earlier. Um, but that is that is what I do. It's been my passion. Uh, and it has become my profession. My passion turned into my prof profession and in not just one particular uh, avenue, but in many different avenues. But at the core basis, when I, I and we'll talk about my little journey and how it started in puppetry and went to voice work and then into the audio realm in general uh, in a wider scope. But mm -hmm. through the through line through all of it is is bringing stories, is storytelling, bringing stories to life, bringing characters to life, right. bringing words on the page. To life, and that—that that is truly my, what I like to call, um, for one of my great voiceover mentors, Mick Winger, my irreducible minimum. My irreducible minimum is just that's what I want to, that's what I need to do. That's what I'm here to do is to bring things to life, however, whatever that means, in whatever facet. If it's through my fleshy meat sack body on stage or on camera or in a Zoom window 
or if it's through a puppet, or if it's just through my uh, vocal performance. You know, it's all storytelling and bringing that stuff to life. So that's what I do. And good, uh, loved your many different hats. That's a literal, literally and figuratively. Yeah. There's many more than this, too. These, these kind of rotate that's in the Zoom window, but they're all over the place. But yes, hats is a kind of another through line. <laughs> Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Indeed. So what was your background? Thank you, John. Thank you. <laughs> you thought it made sense, too. Thank you. Such a good. Thank you, thank you John. Such a, what? They said thank you. <laughs> they said thank you. You are an amazing hype man. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, sorry. I'm sorry, sorry Jake. Go ahead. <laughs> you have the floor. You have the talking stick. Well, thank you, Nate. <laughs> so what was your background like and how did you grow up? So that's a really great question. So for me, <clears throat> my entrance into like the entertainment realm and into um, performance in general uh, was through puppetry. Puppetry was my gateway into the into the entertainment business, and um, it stemmed. I like to call it, I call it my light switch moment. My light switch moment kind of happened around like seven years old. And to date me, I was uh, back in my day. There was the uh, original, the original airing of Fraggle Rock was on in the early, oh, yeah. in the early eighties. Yeah, um, great show. And uh, also the the reboot. You guys check out the reboot. That's oh yes, yes, absolutely. So excited! John Tartaglia does such a great job with Gobo. Yeah, yes. John, Johnny Don, T. Don Kimball. Donna yep. Kimball, Don, yeah. Oh, Donna Kimball is <laughs> Jordan just Lockhart. a national jo yeah. treasure. Mm -hmm. yeah. But Johnny T was one of my nearest and dearest and is actually a very big reason that I have the career that I have today is John Tredaglia. By uh, I will get I'll talk a little bit about that, but he really gave me my first real big start um in the in the puppetry world um of professional performance. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, the new he's and because he loves it as as and he is so immensely talented and so he put so much of his essence. Can we say that? Can I say essence on this? Can, you know, like the Dark Crystal, they were taking the essence. Um, he put so much of his essence into that show and getting it. And it started like the, the reboot kind of happened during COVID when they were doing it. Um, do you guys watch like the, the shorts that they did? It was all oh, yeah. them on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And then yes. they were yeah. like, people mm -hmm. are loving this. Let's make it a real thing when, when we can get through COVID a little bit. And um, yeah, it just has the same, the same exact heart and love that the original Fraggle Rock has. Um, and Johnny's always carried that through his work. Is like the, 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 the life, the love, the goals, the, 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 the intentions that Jim Henson always had for his projects and things like that, he, Johnny puts in, in all of his projects. So, oh, love it. But anyway, yes, the original run of Fraggle Rock um, was, was my light switch moment. Um, as a kid growing up, I loved when I was uh, very young, the, the original Muppet Show was still in syndication. It had only kind of been off the air for like less than 10 years. So it was still kind of on PBS a lot. It was still airing a lot of those episodes. And so I fell in love with the Muppet Show and, of course, watched Sesame Street, Sesame Street as a kid. And I went from this 
the switch was being a kid, like knowing all the characters' names, just loving them, laughing with them, learning with them, and just, you know, believing that they're real, believing that they're they're just real characters, living, breathing things that are right there talking to me, engaging with me. And then the switch went from, I now know that they, spoilers, they're not real on their own. They're like, these are made, they're fabric and they're fleece and they're fur and they're foam. And somebody is bringing them to life. There's something happening below the frame. And that switch, when I realized that that's what was going on, instead of being, my whole life is a lie. My whole world has been shattered. The magic is ruined. Instead of that happening, which some companies think that that will happen if you peel back the curtain a little bit. Instead of that, I was more enthralled and more fascinated and it made it that much more magical to me and i really went to like ha, 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 i love them that's funny too how do they do that how are they doing that what is going on Be below the frame i gotta know and that's what started it and that's what started that that um that journey that has led me to what where i am now ultimately and um i also say so, you know, back in my day, we didn't have a thing called the Googles, or the YouTubes, or the Zooms, or the Skypes, or any of those things. We didn't have any of this magical stuff, so I had to go to this wondrous place called the library. And in this wondrous, magical place, they had these things upon the walls, on shelves, that you could grab called books. Um, and so I, I literally r r checked out every book that I could about puppetry, the art of puppetry um, and building puppets um, and just 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 dived deep into that knowledge of what it takes to do that, like what's happening here. And then all the things and the more I learned, the more fascinated I became and the more I rolled into it and started building my own puppets and creating my own characters, I really just fell in love with that aspect of character creation and the storytelling, telling these, you know, creating these characters from the ground up, from the inside out, and then telling their story, whatever that story may be. And that's, so that's really the, that's the genesis or the Sega genesis, if you will, of my, of, of, the start into my career as an entertainer, as a performer, as a actor, puppeteer, voice actor, producer, director, engineer, all of those kind of things. And it's all that's been the constant through line. So it was through puppetry that um, I found that love and fascination. And where I grew up and went to school, there wasn't really a lot of there wasn't really a puppetry outlet. Again, there wasn't the YouTubes where I could go on and be like, how do I do, how do I be, how can I be a puppeteer? That kind of thing. There's no way to do that. And um, so I went the traditional theatrical route as my inclinations were leaning more towards the performance um, and comedy and things like that, doing voices, playing characters, you know, performing. Um, so I went the traditional acting route and got my degree in musical theater. So and throughout my elementary school days and, and my high school days, I would incorporate puppetry elements whenever I could. 
and productions that be in and things like that. I would always, I was always doing it on my own, even though if I wasn't able to have an actual, you know, there wasn't like a puppet camp near me that right. I could go to, things like that. Um, I wasn't aware of like Yukon at the time either. Um, I went to I went to college in the late '90s, guys. I didn't know that. That's, that makes me so old. I just changed the tennis balls on my walker, actually. Um, and yeah. the uh, I also had Jello today. Um, so I didn't. I wasn't aware of UConn that you can go literally get your degree in the puppetry arts. Um, so I got my degree in in theater, musical theater. Fell in love with musical theater as well, and and that storytelling. And so I really trained myself as an actor. And incorporated puppetry elements therein, and I believe that that training has served me quite well in creating more characters, in becoming other characters, but having this added challenge of channeling that, and I teach this in my puppetry workshops and my voice acting workshops as well, and this is where voice acting kind of comes hand in hand and how my career kind of went into that specific tangent. Um from puppetry into that is that I would taking everything that I would do, anything that any preparation, all the stuff that I would do to prepare for a role if I was to be this character on stage or on camera as myself and everything that I do, everything that I would do, every preparation I would take, every thought, every thoughtful movement, every intentional action, but then channeling that through my arm and making this inanimate object on my arm do that, come to life in that way. And that became the really fun added challenge that I always incorporated whenever I could. Um, but that core foundation that I built in character creation and acting 101 um, has served me very well and be able to then cha channel that through that. And I also do that same for voice acting, do the same thing, the same preparation same attention same approach to a role but then we're just channeling it through a very specific window and as a voice actor i'm channeling it solely through my vocal performance and still getting across all that information still making all of those same connections um and that's the other thing that i really felt that that's I, my connection was the storytelling and thus the connection to the audience the audience being enthralled the audience being engaged the audience responding the audience laughing you know, it's what, you know, keeps me going. Um, yeah, so that's that's really what happened. And then after I graduated college, I made the move to New York. I nice. sold my car. I sold my car. I sold uh, many of my possessions, saved up a ton of money and with a backpack and a suitcase, hopped on a train and took the train to New York. And I stayed in New York for about 15 years. Um, literally, and when I got into New York with that full intention of like, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to um, achieve, and um, just made that a goal that I would not stop attaining or not stop reaching for. And then cut to my very first professional puppetry performance in New York City was a show called Die Hard, the Puppet Musical. Oh, nice. And it is hmm. as awesome as it sounds. It is a musical based on the movie Die Hard with puppets. And it was phenomenal. Uh, it was a very small, independent production. But I got cast as a couple different roles, but my main role was Hans Gruber, 
where I get to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and due to the Nokotomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, you know, I get to do my my best little puppety Alan Rickman. Um, and it was so much fun, but that it, it was just a blast, and I just that's when I first got to got connected and network and started meeting the New York City puppetry community. Um, and it was through that that led me to working with other people and working on the next project and the next project, which then led me to an audition was posted for John Tartaglia's Imagine Ocean. And John Tartaglia's Imagine Ocean um, had basically kind of like an open call, and it was going to run off-Broadway. It was an off-Broadway full... Uh, Blacklight uh, family musical and uh, solely with puppets and um, that's when I, it takes me to back to Johnny T and Johnny T I came in as a fresh faced noob like nobody this was I walk into this room and I'd been in many like auditions cattle calls audition calls for musicals and other shows and things like that this was not new to me this type of audition but it, when you walk into that room and you see oh everybody knows everybody you could tell, and they're sitting there, and they're talking, oh, man, we had such a good time working on this show and things like that. And you're like, oh, they all know each other. They've already worked with each other and done these kind of things. I have no chance. I have no chance getting cast in this, like, you know, eight-person company. Um, but I walked in, and I did my audition. The audition was, if you have a puppet, bring it. Um, if not, we have puppets for you. But because the show was um, not going to be done live. It wasn't going to be performed live. It was all going to be done to track. It was all going to be um, basically just they hit play and then you do it, right? And like just... like lip sync. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yes. The whole show was pre-recorded. The whole show was tracked. Um, so it was like you don't have to do anything live. Um, you know, it's going to take place under the ocean. You know, so there was there was there was um, certain elements that they needed to kind of see in your audition, and a lot of that extra stuff kind of came with the callbacks, but the initial walk into the room, and there's a table of people, and there's Johnny T sitting there, right there in the front, uh, my first chance medium, just with the biggest, warmest, most welcoming smile, and you could just tell he's just, like, excited to be here, excited that his show is getting an off-Broadway run, right, and they're putting it up, and um, the audition was uh, to do two songs, two different songs, an, un an up-tempo song, and like a ballad, which is kind of like a traditional musical theater audition, but you would mm -hmm. typically be singing those. You'd be singing 16 bars of an up-tempo and 16 bars of a ballad. But instead, they want you to bring uh, a, a song, up-tempo, and, and, and puppeteer and lip-sync to that, just to kind of show you that you could do range, that you could lip-sync uh, quickly, or you know how, you, how well you can lip-sync to an up-tempo beat. And just your you know, general manipulation. They can really, especially Johnny, he's a pro, been, oh, know, yeah. especially pro puppeteer Sesame Street since he was 16 that kind of thing <clears throat> and those of us that, you know been doing puppetry for a long time you can you can tell when somebody's got that you know they, they know what they're doing they have the basics down right and then there's always like we can always teach them other things that we may need to teach them for a specific show or specific movements and things like that but it's a great little intro to see what, what somebody has and um, I I had two puppets. I had actually so one of my jobs, one of my first jobs when I moved to New York was I got a job 
at because um, even though I saved a bunch of money and went up and I was like, I'm going to audition and stuff like that. But guess what? New York City, you got to get a job. You got to do something before you get cast in something, right? Um, and um, I got a job at the now extinct FAO Schwartz in the Muppet Workshop. Oh, nice. The, uh, the FAO oh. Schwartz. Do you guys remember that? You guys were from like, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Muppet yeah, Workshop yeah. that they put yeah. in the, mm-hmm. on the New York City yep. FAO Schwartz? And it was yeah. awesome. It was so cool. So I got it I was. got a job, really and I, was. that was through a connection that I made through um, doing Dire the Puppet Musical, and um, yeah, it all just kind of worked out. So I I worked there for uh, quite a while and was building puppets. And so anyway, I built my own. I had my own two whatnot puppets that I built um, at the workshop, and so I brought them and used them uh, for my audition. And the two songs that I did was. Uh, a slow version of um, Are You Gonna Be My Girl um, by Jet. You know, it's like, are you going to be my, you know, the Are You Gonna Be My Girl song? How that goes? It's like a fast. It is, yeah. So it's a fast song, but I had a slow, loungy, kind of sexy version of it that was done by Richard Cheese. If you guys aren't familiar with Richard Cheese. Oh, yes. Cheese, I love Richard Ah, uh, yes. Anybody listening so. out here? His parody is, is like uh, covers are hilarious. They're so great. They're yes. so great. They're just loungy, fun, like, versions of popular oh, songs, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> so it was a Richard Cheese version of Are You Gonna Be My Girl? And it was like this slow, sexy. And there was something really funny about that to me, right? So I chose that for my ballad. And my up-tempo was... Rockapella's Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Uh, yes! Nice! Yes! Nice! Yes! And here's my That's awesome. And, so here's my thought process with this. And and I and this is what I recommend to anybody that goes out to audition for things. Um, and no matter what you're auditioning for. It's so important to not and it, it, it's 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 very difficult to do, especially when you're new and you're green and you're starting out. And you really is to if you really want it, right? Is to uh, try to tamp down that like God. I hope I get it. Like I really want this, right? That desperation effects it comes through in your performances. It really does. And when you're in the room, and they can sense that you're nervous already, but then they can also sense, you know, it, it, it affects it. And it, and it, and it what it does is it puts a roadblock into the creators and the writers and the directors and the producers seeing who you are because what they're going to do when they cast they want to know like who am i going to be working with right i already like i'm going to see your talent i'm going to see that you're talented but i really also want to know that's part of the audition process as well it's like who are you you know who is this somebody that i'm going to work that i'm happy to work with eight shows a week you know right somebody you're basically especially on an off-broadway run or like i'm going to live with these people and it's like, so th- that's very much a part of any kind of when you're auditioning for a show in a company or a run of something. The creators are looking at that as well. Um, so it's really part of your practice and training before getting into an audition is to kind of tamp down that like, oh, I really want this. God, I hope I get it kind of va- energy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what I also then recommend is to... What you want to do is you don't go into an audition. Go and this and I was I'm, I've always approached my career and life and things like that in a very practical, pragmatic manner, right? Where I go, you know. And I was saying, like, when I was looking at this room, I was like, everybody knows each other. Like, what business do I have being here, right? And I had that passing thought, I had that feeling go by, and I let it happen, and then I let it go. 
because what I my intention always is for every audition is it's like I'm not auditioning to go I'm gonna get this I'm getting this job I have no like I have no preset intention of like I'm getting this role right now in this room what I do do what I do do <laughs> I said do do did I just say do do yeah, you heard me. Um, what I do do is when I walk into that room or when I send in the audition or even a voiceover audition, I go, I want them to remember me. That's what I want. I don't necessarily like I want them to. Of course, I want that. I want the gig. Of course. But I don't want to leave the stamp of like, yeah, you're going to hire me. Right. 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 I'm the best for this. I want them to remember right. me. So because maybe I won't fit this role, maybe I won't be right, maybe something will change, but if nothing else, I want to make an impression. And this is my first impression. This is them seeing me for the first time. I want to make an impression and say, you know, even if I don't get this, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? You know who I remember? You remember that one guy that did that one thing? Let's call him in for this. He might be good for this, that kind of thing. And that's what I always try to do, even in my voiceover auditions. It's like, and I've gotten gigs, a little bit of a tangent, then I'll go back to the story, but I've gotten work lots of work where months months later even a years later out of the blue like we'd like to cast you in this project for something i never auditioned for because they heard me audition for something else for them and it didn't work out for that for whatever reason but they remembered my audition and they were like you know what you know who i think would be good for this is that person and so that's always that and I encourage that to any performer out there. It's like just go and show them who you are and just just make an impression. Make them remember Absolutely. you. And so don't go God I hope I get it. It's like I just want them to remember me. So that's was kind of my thought process of like these songs. One, they made it made me laugh. I thought it was funny. And I'm like this is just going to be and I guarantee and also having pre-knowledge of like what do the theater people like audition with? What are like the audition songs that are like, don't do those because everybody does those, right? So I really thought outside the box for my songs because I kind of had free reign because I wasn't singing them. My puppets were, right? So I could do anything. So it was like, it was very freeing. And so I was like, <laughs> my guy, my one character, um, and he's, uh, bless him, he's all my whatnots. They've all kind of fallen apart at this point. But uh, his name was Stu and uh, he was very nervous. Um, so he had, he had glasses on and a little, uh, Aloha shirt on and things. And, uh, so I got him up and I, I, I walked him up. He had no legs, but I walked him, uh, in front of them. And I said, hello, uh, uh, my name is Stu. And they were just like, what's happening? I, I had the puppets literally introduce themselves and who they were doing. Again, I'm not voicing any characters for this role. I'm not doing any of that, but... I'm just, I'm showing them what I do, and I'm showing them who I am, right? So the, right. he still walks up, walks up with no feet, and uh, I say, um, <clears throat> and now I will be performing uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego uh, in four-part harmony all by myself. Thank you. And then I stood back, and then I, they hit play, and then I just had him, like, jump to, like, each, each other. When one specific part was like, uh, like, yeah, and then he'd just, he would hop, and he'd hop to each spot, and I kind of pre-choreographed, I taked, I, 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 I took note of, like, where every voice was, and I had him jump over there, and then singing little bits in there, and, like, singing together with himself, I just made this whole, I made a scene, basically, just out of him singing, where in the world is Carmen San Diego, um, and it was fun, they were laughing, 
I was feeling good. I was just having a good time, right? I went in there and I just had a good time. And this has never happened to me in any audition before or since. But what what they were doing in this audition too, they were, um, you would go in and you would do your song and then you'd go, they'd go, oh, thank you so much. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, just take a seat outside for a second. And then they would, you would sit outside and they'd deliberate. And then their casting agent would come out and say, um, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed you. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you kind of thing, which is like, didn't get it. Bye. Um, or they'd be like, um, yes, they'd love for you to come back to the callback later today at like 2 p.m., right? And so that's, that's what they would do. What happened to me was they were laughing and Johnny stopped. Johnny said, um, I, we have, I never, we never do this and I never do this, but I think um, I'm going to speak for everybody and just right now say, will you come to the callback? Like, and they, so he asked me, I got asked by Johnny in the room. Um, that was amazing. He also said that was the smartest audition that I have seen in a very, very long time. And um, I think I speak for everybody. Uh, can you come to the callback today? And so that was like an amazing, I was riding a high on that. It was amazing. So even if that's where it ended, I'd have been like, I did my job, right? I did, I brought my, I brought who I am. I brought, they could see my sense of humor. They could see uh, my lip sync ability, my puppetry skills in, in that realm, right? And um, I was super happy with that. And then I went to the callback and um, we did a lot more like body movement, choreography kind of things because there was going to be a lot of intricate kind of black light specific training and movement in the show. And um, yeah, long story short. And then I ended up, I got cast in the show, which was amazing as um, one of like two brand new people that um, the company, you know, and Johnny did not already previously know or have worked with. Um, so Johnny T really, and that being in that company, and then everything that has rolled since then has been uh, in my, my, my interactions with other puppetry professionals and working with Sesame Street folk and working with Henson Company people on other projects. Just so many projects now um, over the years. This has been oh, well over 10 years since that show. We did Imagine Ocean in 2011, 2012. And then I rolled into and I went on the two uh, international tours of that show as well. So I was with that show for a number of years, did well over a thousand plus performances of John Tartaglia's Imagine Ocean, uh, which, to my understanding now, is playing at um, San Antonio SeaWorld. They have their own little nice. like sit in SeaWorld now. So as awesome. anyway, that's a little bit of a longer story. But um, I haven't told that story in a while. And I, and I think... I, lo I like to share that story of that, you know, the, it's, it's a true testament of follow your passion and also a little bit of, um, and I teach this again to a lot of my younger actors in voice work and also in puppetry, but it's a kind of a mental thing of like, you know, you got to get out of your own way a little bit. Right. Trust yourself. Trust, trust you're like, this is what I have. This is what I do. This is what I bring. And I'm going to show it to them. And I'm just, I want them to remember me. I'm gonna make a make an impression, and then and see what happens. Um, and that's it takes some time to get there internally, yeah. especially for people that are like super hungry. And like, oh, this is what I want so bad. And of course, we all yes, of course we want to we want to book the gig, but it's more important that you bring you bring you to the table, bring you to the audition, and uh, yeah. And so cut to, it is through that realm that um and doing more work and more character work and more puppet projects and things like that that um some colleagues of mine namely um the great tyler bunch 
Um, oh yes, great friend of ours. Super mm-hmm. amazing guy, very good friend of mine as well. I got to work with him on many different things, and we were working together on a show and just playing around. And he and I are just super simpatico, doing voices, doing characters, just talking to each other, like do, just doing bits. Just doing bits all the time. Like, just, like, at lunch. Just hanging out. Just not even, like, on set, really. Just kind of sitting there and just just running a bit for a long time. And doing character works and impressions and things like that. And he was the one that said to me, have you ever thought about doing voice work? And I said, no. <laughs> because I was so like, I want to be a puppeteer. I want to be a professional right. puppeteer. That's my thing. I that That is my focus. Um, and he goes... I'm going to be honest with you, like this, uh, your approach to this, your character building ability um, and your attention to details and your your skills at accents and dialects and your vocal range is something super, super strong. And I think it's something you should absolutely think about pursuing. And that hearing that from somebody that I incredibly, immensely respect and 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 idolize his talent in in what he does as a puppeteer and as a voice actor. I was like, wow. And sometimes it takes somebody that you know is super good at what they do to go, you're good at this. You should think about doing this. And that's what it took and I was like, Pfft. and so that really just opened opened my world that much more. Definitely. Um and I started um pursuing that I started uh, and I went, you know, started taking classes, started take coaching with voice acting and voice work and harnessing those skills. Um, and through that, through coaching, through training, lots of practice, got an agent and started booking work, started doing commercials, started doing audiobooks, started doing e-learning, started doing corporate narration, started doing a lot of animation. Um, and that's all the stuff that I still do today. Now here in my home studio, I'm no longer in New York City. I had to move um, to Florida for family a number of years ago. Um, but the nice thing is that I had built up my career in New York to this place where, and especially in voice work, and at that point voiceover was primarily what I was doing, more so than puppetry work. Puppetry work kind of ebbs and flows a lot more than... Uh, most entertainment, most um, performance-based jobs, if you will. Um, and, uh, yeah, so when I had to move, it was one of those, and this was really, and this was pre-COVID, before everybody has a home studio, I had a home studio. I was making a, a broadcast, I was doing broadcast on-air work in my half of a closet in my studio apartment in New York City for like six years and I had built up a client base. I had built up clients, direct clients that knew my work and knew what I could do. And I did a lot of in mostly in studio stuff in New York, but I started to do a lot of um, home studio recordings in, in my apartment, but I was able to keep those clients, keep that work, that remote work before remote work was really a thing. I was already kind of doing it. And um, so I was able to bring that work with me as I came down here. Um, and was able to afford to, you know, have a little bit more space and now have a, my own isolated booth and things like that. And then as the years have gone on, just built up my client base even more and gravitated more into the 
uh, audio production realm as well, which kind of goes hand in hand with my performance work. Um, and then I do puppetry stuff uh, whenever I can. Um, you guys know uh, Adam Krudinger? Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. yes. Adam Krudinger, pup- puppet nerd himself, super good mm-hmm. dude. Um, and um, I t- I'm do uh, he does a puppet camp every year. And I was a, a guest camp counselor just recently um, with some of his kids with uh, creating character voices. He reached out to me and was like, hey, would you run like a uh, one of my um, camp days of, as, um, you know, working on character voices for puppets? And I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. So um, love working with Adam. Done a lot of other things that he builds such beautiful stuff, such gorgeous puppets. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal puppet builder. And I've um, thankfully been able to... Uh, work with a lot of his beautiful work. You guys know the um, Thomas Sanders? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thomas Sanders. He was, like, super Uh huge on Vine back when Vine was a thing. Yeah, That makes me me feel super old, too. And I was like, right? And you're like, God, remember when Vine was a thing? We're like, yeah, "Yeah, that was, like, what, two (laughs) years ago? Yeah, when Vine was a thing. Yeah, because I remember when it was new. Yes, Yes, it wasn't that long ago, guys. This is wild. Because now, and when TikTok became a thing, I was like, this is just Vine. They killed yeah, Vine, pretty much. and then TikTok yeah. took the reins. It's pretty and much they just, just Vine, but a little bit longer. Yeah, you Vine, know. just like kind of Vine times ten now, like Vine, or even times a hundred now. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more, but it was basically the same kind of thing, just short form content. But the cool thing about Vine was it was like six seconds, right? And it was like on a loop, and so it was a very specific window of people that got popular on vine because they had to get really really creative and make something clever make something funny make something engaging but also that either got funnier every six seconds or you know at least (laughs) didn't want you to like didn't make your brain explode by looping for six seconds so Mm -hmm. it, it created a very interesting um realm of of content creators um, Frankie Cordero, uh, you guys know oh, Frankie yeah. Cordero, uh, yeah, yeah, made it made yes. it big with Cor- Corduroy Cat on the Vine, and I don't yep. know if he still uses Corduroy Cat somewhere. He's too busy being on Don Quixote, but oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. but great Frankie, another dear, awesome, great friend, and yes. but yeah, his Corduroy Cat became huge on Vine. He became one of those Vine stars as well. But anyway, Thomas Sanders wow. was super big on Vine, and then once Vine shut down, he kind of gravitated over towards Instagram and YouTube. And now he's really big on YouTube. And then he created his own little series called Sanders Sides, which is his um, his uh, uh, very you know simplistic version, but really beautifully. And he's just an incredible writer and a really talented performer um, that you know created personified these sides of his personality, right? And they would just pop out, and they'd be around him, and he would like solve problems. Um, and you can see them on YouTube. Just look up Sanders Sides. But um, they he he Thomas Sanders reached out to Adam to build puppet versions of his personality sides. Did you guys ever see this episode? I think so. Yeah, that's that's so. cool that he did that. Yeah. It's called if you look it up it's called uh if you look up Thomas Sanders and like le- Sanders sides learning about ourselves, right? And it's this like um uh, you know this like I I'm trying to you know processing feelings, process like what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And like I don't know how to deal with this that kind of thing and then his sides are like pop out and they're all trying to help solve these problems right that's the basic of the of the whole series but then uh, they all go well how do we used to learn like as kids and they're like puppets right and so the sides turn themselves into puppets and they do a very like musical sesame street episode uh, a very beautiful homage 
of of you know solving this problem, like learning about ourselves, learning about our emotions, and how to how to work through them, and you know talk about them, that kind of thing. It's a really really wonderful special episode. But um, yeah, he commissioned Adam to build fun, different puppet versions of each of these sides, um, and so Adam reached out to me to. Uh, be connected with Thomas and kind of give him a little puppetry 101. Kind of like they, he's like, they built the, they built the puppets and then um, he says, uh, building these puppets for this uh, guy, very popular on YouTube, going to do this big episode, um, but they want to do the puppets themselves. <clears throat> I was like, great. Have they ever done puppets before? No. I'm like, great. So they want me to teach them how to do on-camera puppetry in like an hour? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, kind of. So it was basically like three hours. So I did like this big on Zoom. Actually, it was on Skype, I think, at the time. Um, and uh, like a three-hour crash course in TV puppetry uh, for people that love puppets but had never done it before in their lives. Um, and so uh, it went great, and we got along really well. Cut to they, after they went and they tried it, and they... Basically, in, in, in their, and kudos to them and Sanders and, and, and the care that he has for the quality of his product that he puts out of his show is that uh, they're like, yeah, it looks terrible. It's horrible. It's so hard. <laughs> they're like, it's so hard. We can't do this. Um, and they're like, hey, uh, but we're on a deadline here. Could you come and do it and puppeteer? all of the characters for us um and i was like you know what absolutely i'll be there tomorrow and so that's what we did and we had a full i had a beautiful whole full day so if you watch that episode um i am once they boop, once they turn into puppets i am puppeteering all four of uh his sides and i got to perform all all of his uh characters in that way he i'm not vocalizing them Right. Again, it's it's one of those he's doing the voices, and he recorded it in this really cool way where he typically records his episodes, um, where he's because he's playing each part, so they record each section separately, and then they just edit it together. So he basically did that, and that's what we kind of practice, and that's actually what I walked through for him in order to practice. I was like, just record it the way you do, and give yourself a reference. Give yourself a reference of like what your guy, what your character is doing in that moment, how he's reacting, what he's doing with his hands. That kind of thing um, in, in that moment, in that shot. And then record it and cut, the, cut that together like you do a normal episode. And then when you want to do in, like then place in the puppet version of that, you have a reference of what your character was doing in that moment and how they moved and how they gestured possibly when you said that kind of thing. So you already had the audio kind of track. So I basically went in and just lip synced to his performance and I looked at his reference material and basically brought the puppet to life in the same way that he was doing it as himself. Uh, it was a really cool thing and it was a it was a long just one day shoot and um it it turned out really well. It's an a, it's a it's a wonderful little uh, video. Highly recommend you guys checking that out. But um yeah, Adam Crudinger was um super helpful but that's again that's one of those like fun puppet gigs that just kind of happens sometimes you know you never know so it's not oh, yeah. as, it's not as uh not as uh steady as my uh voiceover and audio production work and then um 
really quickly sum up my audio production work. As I was getting my degree in musical theater, I was also, I doubled in uh, digital, uh, digital, I speak for a living, guys, <laughs> digital media productions. Um, and again, this was in the late 90s. Um, so digital media was kind of a, kind of a new thing. New thing, yeah. New, it was a new frontier. Um, <clears throat> but um, I cut my teeth, cut my teeth in uh, t TV and radio, um, doing digital media editing, um, and I learned, you know, everything. It was back when Adobe was like the new thing on the street. So Pro Tools didn't exist yet, I don't think, um, in the late '90s. Um, but um, so I, I, I cut. Um, so. I have that skill, digital editing, audio production, video, things like that. And that served me very well in other projects and things that I've done. Um, but also now cut to I have my own production studio, Beagle Booth Studios, um, that does full voiceover and audio production for basically anything. Commercials, I do, I've done voiceover and production work for commercials, um, animation, audiobooks, podcasts, um, YouTube channels, um, you know, kind of anything, audio dramas. Um, and I do primarily what I'm doing now to bring it up to the present, and then I'll stop talking, um, is um, dubbing. I do a lot of dubbing um, uh, for a lot of uh, foreign films and uh, live action and animation projects that are being dubbed into English. And um, I have the setup here where I do it all from my studio as well. Nice. So back over to you guys. So that's me in a nutshell, in a very big nutshell. <laughs> so you mentioned that was a long um, story. Do I talk for a living? Can you tell? Did <laughs> I keep your audience riveted? Is anyone still on? <laughs> little John. Little, little John. Okay. Yeah, you liked it. Okay, good. Did you like it? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. As long as Little John likes it. What? Yes. I said good. as long as you <laughs> like it. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, working for uh, Sesame Street and the Jim Henson Company. It's it's interesting because we've had a number of people on from both of those uh, fields. Can oh, you talk yeah. a little bit about your work with them? Yeah, so <clears throat> I never got the chance to do uh, – when I was in New York and uh, enough working with a lot of these folks like um, Tyler Bunch and Leslie Career Rudolph and, mm. um, and getting to know Paul Rudolph and Ryan Dillon, of course. Ryan Dillon worked with me on uh, Imagine Ocean. Um, that's when I, that's where I got to meet him. Ryan Dillon's now doing, um, uh, Elmo. And, um, yeah, being able to, um, and being really good friends, uh, also, uh, Laura McLean, mm -hmm. she's absolutely incredible. And, um, just being able to, you know, to, to, to get on the set and be able to, you know, assist here and there. Uh, I never got to do anything like huge. I was in that, like, I was thankfully enough to be like in the pool, outside the pool. Right. There's like their pool of people that they use. Then there's a pool outside the pool and they need a little extra hands for other things and outside shoots and things like that. Any kind of little assists like that. So just always one of those really great things when you just kind of go on that set. And that's tough. It's it's every time that I've been lucky enough to go on the Sesame set is you have that like, oh, so cool. I'm on this set. It's so cool. Oh, oh look, there's Snuffleupagus hanging from the ceiling. Because he's huge and there's no room for him, so he's up there. So cool. Oh, yeah. That's, so that's little, great. um, little. I couldn't even tell you like anything specific. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. 
It really is. You know, when, when you were talking about like, oh, I hope I get it. I, I, I hope I get it with the auditions. I swear I got vibes of a chorus line with their opening number. Yes. The God, I hope I get it. God, I hope uh -huh. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I... That's exactly right. I mean, it's, yep. it's, the, it's the exact reference for sure. It is. It is. And it's and it's 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 kind of genius why they have it in that show too because oh absolutely is, you know it's kind of an overriding theme of these people just driving themselves into the ground because they want it so bad. Right, right. Definitely. You uh, you got to perform Crow T Robot in various projects with yeah. Mystery Science Theater three thousand MSG three sure K for short. <laughs> what what was that all like? Because so, you got yes. you got to do a tour with them. Yeah. Along with some other stuff. Two what was live it? tours. Two so, live tours. Yeah, I'll give you a brief story about that. So that's that's again something that there's a really great phrase that um has existed for a long time, but I always equate it to another one of my voice acting mentors, um, Rob Paulson, the great Rob Paulson, who's Yakko. Oh Warner, my gosh, yes. Um, you know, and and uh, Pinky, Pinky in the Brain. And Carl Weezer, so many oh, characters. Carl we his Carl Weezer is so good. Um, such, it just, he's a brilliant, brilliant actor, um, and a brilliant voice performer. But, um, <clears throat> I don't believe this is necessarily his particular quote, but I equate it with him because I, he says it a lot and it's, um, uh, success is where opportunity meets preparation or luck rather luck. He's like, I don't believe in luck. Luck is where opportunity meets preparation. And I fully believe that. Um, let's, you know, and that's, that's another way of saying, you know, uh, um, yeah, we make our own luck kind of, you know, and it's, if you, the opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself and you are prepared enough to capitalize and it, it, on that, on that opportunity, you're going to get it. I firmly believe that. And <clears throat> that is, uh, a case in point for, uh, for Crow in Mystery Science Theater is a, a the opportunity that I never in a million years would have ever thought would have come to, to life. This was a show that has been dead, that had been canceled since 1999. That show did not exist, right? Like never in a million, it, it was a very important show to me growing up and it definitely fed into a lot of my, my one, like all of my loves, my love of movies, my love of puppetry, my love of comedy. You know, all that stuff. It just it was a it was an amalgam of everything that I jived with. And so I was drawn to that show in a big, bad way. Um, so what I didn't realize was when the opportunity presented itself to audition for a live version of Mystery Science Theater, I had this realization of, oh, my God, I've been preparing for this my entire life like everything at for this moment where i am and all of the training all of the skills all of the passions that i've followed with puppetry voices character work um just acting in general improv all of these skills that i had amassed over 30 plus years set me up prepared me for this moment to take to have this opportunity to audition for this show, it was like I've been preparing, like preparing my. I was, ne I felt I never felt more prepared and or ready for an audition in my entire life than when that happened. Once I got over the like, how is this happening? How is this a thing that 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 is real? Um, so 
that's hey stranger oh no oh uh, no somebody's yeah. crashing what yeah you know who that is <laughs> what? i know he just pops in out of nowhere what i know can we can he stay okay all right i guess we'll let him stay I guess right we'll in the middle of stay. like a real deep story bob how could dj you? bob hijacking our show again for what like the eighth time i don't care like that. i'm just locked in a closet <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness hi bob Hi. Hi, Bob. How are Hi, Bob. you? DJ Bob Runkle, ladies and gentlemen. DJ yes. Bob Runkle. DJ the, Bob. The man, the myth, the legend himself. Yes. Bob goes wild. Hijacking his friend's show. I you mean, know who doesn't? You know, you know who doesn't hijack shows? Jake. I never see Jake just jumping in true. on the that's DJ true. Bob Jake show. Jake never does that. <laughs> um, no, Jake never okay, as, uh, as the uh, DJ okay, uh, Bob, Bob show editor uh, Bob, in chief. Uh, who edits all of the episodes and listens uh, to all the episodes? Uh, I don't Bob, recall. Uh, what do you want me to do that? A Jake crash. Never. Oh! <laughs> shade. Girl, the shade, the shade of it all. Shade of it all. Matt like that. Matt like that. I oh man, did. I got drops. I got drops. Got drops for days. I told you guys, I cut my uh -huh. teeth in radio. Uh -huh. I got drops. Well, I no love making turning drops fun on Zoom. Yeah, it's fun. We're here to have a good time. It's the happiness time. Yes. Do you need water? Do you want a burger? You hungry? Yeah, I just took care of that. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're able to get food at least, even though you've been in the closet for five days. They kept Cody Knox sponsored by DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. So, Nate, what do you think of these guys? Oh, you know, they're 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 super rad. They're awesome. They're super good. They're super kind, welcoming. They've been listening to me talk basically nonstop for almost an hour. That's it's their show. In. They've asked one question, and <laughs> I haven't stopped. They got to a second question, and as we're starting the second question, you, you happen to here. just like crash in here <laughs> going back to uh mystery science yes. theater 3000 um one of our uh, previous guests actually worked on that too uh kelsey brady uh kelsey yes 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 you guys have kelsey on yeah kelsey is a yep. very very near and dear friend of yes. mine and yes. been, we've worked together for we've known and worked with each other for many many years and um uh, give you a brief synopsis on that. Yeah, so when I got cast in the, the first live tour of the show, um, uh, when it came to the second tour, again, it was one of those things that was like, we need a swing. We need to have a swing. Um, <clears throat> cut to, uh, and I'll just preface this really quickly. I'm no longer with the production. Um, right. I had to leave the production for family reasons. Right. And uh, namely, I had a kid. Uh, and that took up a lot more. I needed to be home. <laughs> and the show was needed to go still back out on the road and do more things so uh i was una unable to commit to the time so had to leave for family reasons um but come for the second live tours we were uh prepping it post covid um when all and it all started to happen really fast in light of covid and in light just in general when you're on the road any show any show that's traveling should have coverage should have a, a, we call them a swing somebody that can if somebody gets sick somebody gets hurt the show can still go on because you have the understudy. You have somebody to go in for you. 
and um, so uh, advocated to get a swing uh, for uh, the show. And um, Kelsey is one of my is literally my go to number one recommendation all the time. Um, great for for she's an just an incredible talent. But anytime anybody's looking for. Uh, a female puppeteer who's adept at monitor work also can sing and voices and characters and stuff like that just like um she's always my my number one and um it made sense for us for the show to have a female swing because um there was really four of us in there but it was two females and two female roles and two male roles um but the cool thing is like and i was i was cast as crow the cool thing about crow is like there was like Nobody said, nowhere does it say that Crow has to be a man. doesn't have to be a guy. Why? You know, and so uh, he's a robot, you know. <laughs> the characters can change. And so um, hiring Kelsey as the swing, she could cover both female uh, tracks in our live show, but also could cover uh, Crow, which initially we needed her to do because I was going to have to leave to go see my son be born because <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to miss that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so then, uh, that's how she got involved with the show, and, uh, she, the show is immensely better for it. I, uh, she's, uh, just a phenomenal talent and a, just, uh, a gem of a human being, and I love her dear, dearly. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I got to, but I, I worked with the, um, the show for the first, the, the, the last two live tours, and during COVID, I'm still kind of a, when all that was happening, we did a lot of like remote stuff and did some li live streaming um, things for the show. Ended up being um, uh, hired as a writer for the show for the for season thirteen as they were developing that, and nice. uh, was able to film some stuff right before uh, the the we hopped on the road for the live tour. And then um, post my baby being born, I just couldn't commit the time to other filming schedules and things and other things that they needed to do. So had to unfortunately part ways. Because uh, family does come first, my friends, and um, yeah, so that's that was my stint, my stint with that, and it was I, I loved every second of it, and it was just an amazing experience. Show is very important to me, and um, I had an uh, uh, just a it was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal to be a part of it and and uh, bring that character to life. I love Crow. I love Tom too. I actually got to play. There was a fun stint when we had Kelsey that um, and one of our guys, uh, uh, Connor, Connor McGiffin, the great Connor McGiffin who plays Tom Servo on the uh, live version, um, got COVID, got COVID on the road on the second tour. And so guess what? He was out for 14 days. <laughs> so thankfully, we had a swing and Kelsey could be Crow and I swung in as Tom because I was already familiar with the show from the ground up, especially for the second round um, and helped write it. Um, so I was very familiar with Tom's role, so I got to be Tom Servo for a number of performances as well. So I've been Crow T Robot and Tom Servo for Mr. Science Theater Three Thousand Live. Nice, nice. Uh, but again, and that all just stems from I love bringing characters to life, and, that's, and, and you know, find my connections to my characters. I love all the characters that I get to be, and being able to just animate them physically and also uh, vocalize them is is just. Again, this is my passion that keeps me going, keeps me, uh, keeps me trucking. Definitely, old world. Yeah. 
So yeah. now, hmm. how, how did your uh, love of puppetry kind of transition into uh, having your own podcast? Because I know for a couple years, you <laughs> did a podcast, Getting Felt Up. <clears throat> yes, Getting Felt Up, a puppetry podcast with Dan and Nate. Um, honestly, it really came from kind of what we're just doing right here. Um, and this is, <laughs> I hate to be like, he's like, yeah, we did podcasts before it was, before podcasts were really a thing. Podcasts basically had just kind of started. They were in like kind of their infancy, a little like the first few years. Mm -hmm. This was around, oh, I want to say 2009, <coughs> 2010. So I think podcasts mm -hmm. really hit in like 2007, I want to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, around 2009-ish, um, doing Imagine Ocean. Uh, 2009, 2010, we were doing Imagine Ocean, and my buddy Dan, we um, still, my best friend in all the world, Disney Dan on YouTube. He now has a massive YouTube oh, channel. Oh, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Disney Dan on YouTube, huge channel. Um, go check him out. It's so funny. So really great costume evolutions and breakdowns of the Disney parks and stuff like that and other, other nostalgic things. Um, but we were in Imagine Ocean together. And uh, we actually met at that audition that I had talked about at the beginning. Uh, we auditioned right next to each other. And so we sat on that bench outside the door, and that's how we first met and got to know each other. I got uh, cast in the original uh, production. He ended up um, stay being a part of the show, and he worked on our um, uh, media team. And he would go out and like do live things for the show while we were doing the show. Um, so he was part of our promotion team, and so he stayed with the show, and then he became the swing, uh, for, back to my swing talk, like, you need to have a swing. You gotta have coverage when you're doing a live show and doing multiple shows a day. Um, and multiple show or, you know, every show, every day a, a week. Um, so he was our swing for the show. Anyway, just in this, like, just chatting and talking about stuff that we love and talking about puppets, and, you know, as podcasts were really starting to take off, we were like... There's no podcast that's really talking about, like, you know, there's movies, podcasts, sure, there's com stand-up comedy podcasts and things like that. But it's like, nobody's talking about puppetry. So we were like, right. let's do it. Let's do it. And at the time, it was a funny pun, getting felt up a puppetry podcast. Um, and you'd be like, whoa, what does that mean? And then you're like, oh, puppets, I get it. <laughs> uh, so it was more of a joke. It doesn't really, um, it, doesn't, it didn't age well, that, uh, that pun. Um, but yeah, that's really kind of how it started. And we were like, we want to shine a light on this world that we love. And there's so many talented people, um, that, that make these kind of things happen, that make these shows happen from the performers to the writers, to the, uh, uh, you know, music, uh, producers and, um, other creators of puppet shows well-known stuff but stage puppetry and but then we wanted to open up the the realm of puppetry too because even still today when you say puppet people immediately like think sesame street or they think muppets or they think like a sock on the hand with eyeballs and there that's a puppet i'm a puppeteer now right but pup a puppet can be anything a puppet puppetry the art of puppetry as you guys well know is is much more vast than that there's there is hand and rod puppetry, but there's also marionettes and there's shadow puppetry and there's object manipulation um, and and things like that. So there's and there's so that art form is such a beautiful and that takes me back again to my passion of why I think puppetry is always at the root of what I do. It's just like it's just such a it's one of the if not the oldest form of storytelling that we did as as humans um, telling stories. Um, um, and I, it's, it's just such a beautiful art form and a beautiful way to visually 
tell a story, um, even if there's no words, you know, through shadow puppetry and things like that. Um, so we wanted to shine a light on that, too, because in, living in New York, there's a lot of that whole world it's, it is in there. There was lots of, you know, people that have their own shows that create them and, and, and showcase them in cabarets and tour them at festivals and things like that. So we really wanted to shine shine that light in there so people could kind of get a broader scope, a little bit more of a broader appreciation, if you will, of the art of puppetry versus just immediately thinking, oh, it's just this. You know what I mean? But still, is what most people think. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, you can still find it. I think the episodes are still up there. We did so. it. Uh, oh, yeah. We, yeah, we had a, almost 100 episodes or something. And then, of course, life. Life gets in. Life uh, finds a way. And, you know, people get busy and things happen. Careers take turns. People got to move. People, you oh, know, yeah. life life kind of happens. So we um, we, we kind of ended up having to let that podcast go. At some point, you know, Dan and I are best friends and we still talk. And he's he's got his channel, which is massively taking off. And I'm very busy in my work. Um, but one day we're thinking about maybe starting something up again. Um, we'll see. Nice. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Definitely. But yeah. go check it out. There's some really great chats, interviews. It's it's classic. It's old school. It's just audio. There's a couple actually towards the end, and this is actually yeah towards the end of it. Because I did. I had to move to Florida. <clears throat> we started doing live streams. Um, back when like Google was doing. Um, you can see them on YouTube, actually. Uh, uh, some of our live chats that we were able to do in the early days. And one of our even early ones, do you guys remember Periscope? When Periscope was a thing? Oh, yeah. Um, we had one of our first, one of our first, one of our early podcasts with Ryan Dillon. Um, we we fired up a Periscope and we started Periscoping while we were recording. Um, <laughs> per Periscope was basically like the 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 um the the procedure to uh like facebook live like going live on like just li live streaming but it was kind of like an app on a phone um yeah i don't know if somebody bought it out, something bought it either facebook bought it out or something something like that periscope doesn't exist anymore but it was one of those and like people could engage with us live while we were recording and he had karen beige one of his characters like talking to the people on periscope it's really funny i think you can find that on youtube too Anyway, lots of good chats, lots of good, really good stuff. Noel McNeil, we had everybody. We had everybody. Nice. Yeah, Bunch, you've you've had a you've had a lot of guests that uh, we interviewed as well because you had a didn't you have Stephanie yes. on Stephanie DeBruzzo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you had Stephanie uh, on. Stephanie, Leslie Carrera Rudolph. Yeah, we've had um, Leslie on. We've had Leslie. Yes. I got Wyatt, to go and, and Leslie's Leslie, a dear Paul, Leslie's a dear friend. All... I actually got to like go to her apartment and like we sat down and I got I think there's some video up there of our chat as well. Just had like a great huh. like three hour chat <laughs> that got recorded. That's almost that's almost how wow. long ours was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Almost yeah. three hours. She she is such a massive inspiration to me as well, solely in my oh, character yeah. in my character approach. She is one of, if not the most brilliant character performer in in a way and what i mean is she does the work the deep dive work that most actors don't um especially when doing voices or playing characters like she will create full histories pages of history and backstory of a character that may have like three lines you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that's the level of mm -hmm. brilliant 
connection and detail that she brings to characters, and that is something that I absolutely um, aspire to and do try to do in my own work and stuff like that. So we re we really connected in that way in our in our mutual appreciation and and approach to character work. And but anyway, again, that's just one of those things that you know it's, it's such good people. I'm I'm so fortunate to have been doing this for so long. And making these connections and these relationships with these amazingly talented individuals, and um, be getting to work with them when the opportunities arise. I looked at some of your uh, voiceover work prior to to prepare for the interview, and you uh, <laughs> voice characters on a series called uh, Magic Adventures: The Crystal of Dark. Yeah. What was that show like? <clears throat> so that's and that's a show that it as of now. Didn't get an uh, uh, it hasn't been released in America. Again, that's that was one of my big um, entrances into the world of dubbing, which is what I do a lot now. Uh, I work with a lot of um, production studios that are doing English dubs for a lot of um, uh, foreign animated properties and some live action properties. And um, <clears throat> the magic, uh, uh, magic adventures, crystal, uh, the crystal of dark, um, was a Korean, uh, a Korean uh, animated series. There's 52 episodes, I think, and um, it, it was an incredible, an incredible experience. And it was one of those I auditioned, and it was one of those I got a, a self audition, auditioned from home, and sent it in, and the client liked it, and I got cast as the uh, <laughs> the wizard of fire. Um, his name was a. His name was Vance, the Wizard of Fire. But this wizard got turned and got cursed and got turned into a dog and sent to the real world, where there is no magic. Um, you know that old tale. And uh, so, like the first like couple of episodes, it's uh, he's just a dog, but he's a very like. He doesn't speak, but he's still. You can tell that like he knows what's going on. He's not just like a dog. Dog. He's like. You can tell he he reacts and and does, but it was all like, you know, I had to keep. It was like ten episodes of just dog noises. Couple flashbacks when he was the wizard, and then uh, then when he gets into back into the magical land, even as the dog, then he talks and he can still shoot fireballs from his paws. Um, so he was the wizard of fire, Vance. The Magical Wizard of Fire. But that was that was an amazing, super fun series. I know it aired in Korea. Um, I think there's r random clips of it on YouTube. But yeah, it never got a release in the States, to my understanding. Mm. And that's kind of like one of the things, you know, that's the nature of this kind of biz. And there's a lot of projects that I've worked on. And I've, like I said, I've, I have some that are in the works now that I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know where they're going to air. Um, you know, it's that's a whole other side of the biz that um, I don't have any kind of nature uh, under understanding of what's going on behind the scenes on what platform it's getting picked up on or where it's going to stream or air in the States, if at all, or if it just exists um, in, um, in their, you know, playing in their main country and then they can click over to English if they want kind of vibe. But that was a super fun series, super, super clever, super magical and funny, really funny. So you lend your voice to dozens of audiobooks. What is it like getting to do that? Oh, man. Audiobooks is a, an entirely different beast in the voiceover realm. Um, and 
this is, and I know, again, it sounds like we're talking about a broken record of like, you know, follow your passion. You really got to love what you do. Um, when it comes to audiobook narration, you really need, you really got to love to read. <laughs> um, because it is not as easy. Uh, again, the same thing with puppetry, as you guys even know. Like most people have this, like, oh, it's puppets. I just put a puppet on, super easy. It's, it's, not, it's not as easy as all that. But also, nor is it, nor is uh, producing or just narrating an audiobook. It's not as easy as you think it is. It's not just reading. A narrator, a good narrator, in my estimation, is it, you're performing the story. You're telling the story in the way that it needs to be told. So you need to connect with the story. You need to connect with what the author's vision is of the story and who this character is. If it's a, you know, if the audiobook is told from a very specific point of view, you know, knowing what that point of view is, who is this character and you know what are they what's the what's the pacing what's the energy what's about there's a lot that goes into it um and you really have to love stories you really have to love storytelling and um you, you have to know how to read which is helpful yeah. <laughs> um when when reading an audiobook when uh, narrating an audiobook um but it is also um it can be a, a marathon it's it's long it takes a long it's not um it's not done in five minutes. A lot of books, a lot of novels. If you type it on Audible, click, click a book that you know, you'd be like, oh, this book is 10 hours long. Great. At the end, when that audio book is 10 hours long, what I tell anybody that's going, when you see that, double it. Double it for, for the narrating part, for just the recording. And then double it again because then it's got to get edited. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's a whole little thing. That, now, you got slow rolls. You don't necessarily want to do all of that at once. Now, granted, with audiobooks, there is, and I have the ability to do it, and I have been doing it for a long time as an audio producer as well. I can fully produce, and I have fu fully produced audiobooks, both narrating them and uh, editing them, mastering them, and f fully having them ready to go to be out for consumption. Um, but many of my books especially starting out, I was solely booked as a narrator where I went into a studio, sat down, and somebody was either directing me or I had an engineer that was with me to, you know, I flub. They go, oh, stop, back it up, and then do a little punch and roll and uh, just kind of keep going into that. So it takes it takes a lot of, it's, it's a, again, it's a totally different beast. you got to really love doing it. And um, it's helpful to be able to really lock into the story and then kind of get in the zone, get in the vibe and, the, the better, the more you do it, the better you can get at, um, you know, reading for long clips where you don't necessarily flub or you, you know, miss up a word and things like that. There's a lot of little nooks and crannies that can creep up when you're doing an audiobook, whether it's like, oh, I haven't drank water in two hours. My mouth is all dry. And now I'm like making all these weird sounds and, uh, oh, my stomach's grumbling. Can we pause? I got to eat something, you know. There's, right. So it's a lot goes into it, but. It comes from uh, I found and how I rolled into audiobook work um, was in New York at the very beginning of my voiceover pursuit as I started to coach and work on that. In New York, there wasn't a lot of my, my strength, I felt, and still is, um, but at the time it was like animation. I want to do animation and I want to do video games. That's what I want to do as a voice actor. And my first agent in New York said, great, that's what you want. You got to go to L.A. Definitely. And I had just moved to New York, right? I was <laughs> recently there. I was like, I can't just pack up and move to L.A. And right. I was like, well, if that if you want, and this was in the early 2000s, 
it's very different now with the remote capabilities and things like that. But oh, yeah. at, the, at the time where everything was in studio, most everything was in studio, um, all the animation work and the video game work was L.A. If that's what you wanted to do, you needed to be there so you could be there in the room. And you could get, when you would get an audition from your agent, your audition was, there wasn't a lot of home recording auditions. It was, um, hey, you're booked for 2 o'clock at the studio tomorrow. That's your audition, right? And you didn't get the audition beforehand. You went to the studio at your call time. You signed in, and they handed you a piece of paper with the audition on it. And you had five, ten minutes maybe to prep before you got called into the booth to do your audition. That's the way it was done. That's the way it was done for a very, very long time. Now, for the most part, it's you get the email from your agent, and it's like, hey, it's due at this time. Record it on your own and send it in. Hmm. That wasn't the way it was done, right? So it was cold, and you had to learn to like cold read and make choices and boom, and just be able to do it and, and be there. But again, you had to be in the room, and that's why animation and video games was all L.A.-based. But he was like, but if you want to make money doing voiceover work, you stay in New York and you do commercials. That's where all the commercial work is. So I had to, I had to shift gears. And I had to focus my coaching in, vo in the voiceover realm to uh, on commercial reads, which is an entirely different genre of voiceover. Mm -hmm. um, so therein, while being in New York, though, and still working, doing puppet stuff and doing character work and doing character voices and things like that, um, my name started to go around in, in the studios and the uh, agencies and things like that. And I got reached, I got contacted by a studio seeing if I would be interested in narrating this children's book. And I was like, I didn't, th again, it was one of those, I didn't even think of that. I didn't think about audiobooks. Audiobooks also wasn't what it was now. Like, there's books on tape, absolutely. Books on tape, books on CD. You know, and a lot of my earlier audiobooks didn't even go on Audible right away. They just came out on CD. You could get, I was like, I, my, my CDs in Barnes and Noble. This was before Audible was really a thing. God, I'm so old, you guys. Um, but um, so uh, that was like a, oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. But what it turned out to be, and I found that that scratched the animation character video game, the itch that I had to do that through voiceover, being these characters. And what I still love about audiobooks, and especially like children's books or middle grade titles, which I do a lot of, I have a lot of really great series. Um, Sci-Fi Junior High is a great series. There's a really amazing series that I did, a four book series called Dr. Critchlore's School for Minions. And not like the minions, like the yellow ones, not, not those minions, but like it's, it takes place in a world, it's very Harry Potter-esque, but it takes place in this world where there are these schools that train like werewolves and mummies and vampires and, and other kind of like creatures to be minions for evil overlords throughout the world. And so that's, that's how they hire their minions is if they graduated from these schools. It's a really fun story. And just, but what I found in doing this is like, as an actor, as a voice actor, I get to be and play, portray and characters that I would never get cast in on stage or on camera as myself, right? I wouldn't fit the visual element, that the visual connective element that is needed to portray this character in a truthful way for an audience to believe it, right? So as a voice actor, there's a lot more freedom there. I get to play a lot more characters and types of characters, creatures, things like that 
aliens, animals, that I could never be as myself on stage or on camera. But with also within this realm, and as, as time has gone on, and as we are in entering, you know, increasingly getting more enlightened and more inclusive. We talk about this on the DJ Bob show, of course, is like inclusivity, not just disability inclusion, but across the board inclusion. And in the voice world, the voice world suffered from that as well, of not necessarily being as inclusive. Um, and so now, because there's a much broader ver vision of this world that even in the voiceover realm now, thankfully, that they are casting things more appropriately, meaning more age appropriately, racially appropriately, gender or non-gender appropriately for certain roles, even within the voiceover community of any kind of animated thing, right? Or voiceover thing, which is excellent. And that is because of authenticity, right? These people authentically portraying a character that you can connect to. So there are many roles now in voiceover that I would also not get cast in. Um, but as a narrator in an audiobook, I get to play everybody. And that is something that, that drew me into it. It's like, uh-oh, I'll get cast as one or two or three or four characters in this one series for something. But now in this book, I get to play everybody, 20, 30 different characters. I get to play the kid and his dad and his mom and his uh, sister and his baby brother and the evil villain trying to capture him and his and the evil villain's henchmen i get to play everybody that was such a cool thing for me to kind of realize mm -hmm. and that added to my love of audiobooks and 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 that kind of storytelling and as a challenge as a voice actor because as the sole narrator i get to play all of these characters and and stretch those character muscles so that's something that really keeps me coming back and doing audiobooks and stuff like that. Definitely. Definitely. I know you um, also just kind of mentioned uh, doing commercial work as well. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, sure. Like, what do you mean? What do you what, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about the commercial world? Like, because I know because I know, you know, we talked about doing uh, voiceover for, you know, audiobooks. And you mentioned e-learning in the beginning and mm -hmm. now and now doing voiceover for like different commercials like do you do you do commercials for like uh like like what like what type of uh outlets do you do commercials? so kind of anything so like typically in the voiceover realm in commercials there's tv commercials and radio commercials right mm -hmm. and each of those is very different the different styles different um different performance needs you know and it all varies between the client of whatever the commercial is for if it's for a brand if it's for a product if it's for you know you know there's different brands there's different products there's uh you know <clears throat> for the types of commercials you know there's food there's toys there's game commercials there's clothing commercials there's car commercials there's jewelry watch commercial you know there's a there can be a commercial to for anything so it is a very specific genre um and what's cool about commercials though is that it is so varied and it can there's different energies there's different connections there's different approaches to copies and it all it all depends on the ad agencies creating the commercial uh, for this brand and what the overall vision of it is for this spot and then they get into a time thing and there's you know you know on average you know there's the 60 second commercial or a 30 second or a 15 second commercial <clears throat> and um 
they'll have different copy that or, or script that you know fits within that type of window. But I've done commercials for um, a, a lot of big brands. I've done things for Taco Bell. Done things for Xbox, Verizon, um, and then a lot of um, independent, a lot of regional, local stuff, local business commercials um, in in all different kind of parts of the country. Um, but the commercials can also vary too. Sometimes you know it's like could be just the 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 disembodied head just kind of talking informationally um a lot of you know um uh you know for like pharmaceutical commercials you know reading you know talking about you know the the overall thing about commercials which is really cool and if anybody's any voice actors are looking to get into commercials is that you have to remember that a commercial voice is somebody that is and this changes also too with the times and the market and right now the market is this very natural, grounded, just you, like you and you guys and I, just talking, right, and just connecting in that way, and just sharing something, sharing something that I think exactly. you would like. sharing, sharing something that I think you would that that will help you or solve your problem, and that's really what commercials is: is like this will solve your problem, whatever that problem may be, right? And I'm using that as a general term. It's not like oh, it's a problem, but it's like this is going to help you. You want this because it will do this for you, right? Right. Something that you need. That kind of thing. And it's that kind of approach. Um, and it, it, like I said, it varies. Sometimes those commercials are written where it's like me just describing the information to you in a casual, conversational way. Uh, something that I think you'll really like it and you um, check, go check this out. Or the commercials are designed and created kind theatrically where they're kind of like a scene. Like a lot, you'll hear that a lot in radio commercials where there's you know a husband and wife or two buddies talking to each other about something. You know, and then yeah, I do a lot of lottery commercials, like for the Kansas City Lottery and Colorado Lottery and things like that. Little spots like that for radio ads and things that pop up on Spotify, you know, Spotify ads and things like that. I've done a lot of those um, as well. So it really it really is a is a wider space than most people think as well. Um, but they each have a very specific approach and need. Um, and style and energy and vibe. It's all, it's all about just kind of tapping into what the general vision is of the commercial. Is it very serious? You know, and who am I talking to? It's very acting 101, right? Like, right. am I doing a commercial for a retirement home for my for my ailing grandparents, or am I doing a commercial for, you know, um, a super cool toy that all these kids are really gonna love? Like, go check this out. It's gonna be so much fun. You know, is it gonna have that kind of energy? Versus like, come over to this retirement home. You're gonna have a blast, right? That's not gonna be. That's not the guy <laughs> that they want for the retirement home. You see what I mean? So it's it's discovering what is needed and how you we fit into that. How we fit into that. So I love doing commercials. I love again. It's a um, I love doing all different varied commercials, and I've worked hard on expanding my range. So I'm not just the guy that talks really fast and excited, but I can also be the guy that's like, hey, don't worry, you got this. We got this together, you know, and especially during COVID, there was a lot of like, we're all in this together, you know, just me talking, being real, that kind of thing. And I spent a long time finding that, like, that real, that real guy where I'm not just, I'm not performing. That's the big thing that a lot of people struggle with when they first start with voice acting. Put these headphones on, stand in front of the mic, and they hear themselves in this microphone, and they're like, okay, and now I'm reading the commercial to you. And that's not usually the vibe that they want. It's really like takes a lot of practice to get to that point.
Um, but I love that. I love I love playing the 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 range, expanding my range, and I'm always working on it. I'm always stretching my range, getting stronger, getting better, finding more deeper connections that come across in my performances. Absolutely. Definitely. So you also did some voice work on video games. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so video games, again, it's another beast. It's a totally different beast. And this is a big thing I say to all my people that are getting interested in. Voiceover is not just one thing. I do voiceover. Okay. You do voiceover for what? There's different genres of voiceover. It's very big. And so voices for video games, again, is as varied as any animation, as any animated character, as any commercial. Um, the video games are different, <clears throat> especially video games, too, has been the this this the one the fastest growing realm in the entertainment industry. Like over the last 20 years, nothing has grown as much as video games and that, let alone one the 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 financial explosion of video games you know because they were games were seventy dollars a pop 20 years ago and they're still staying they stayed saying seventy dollars a pop so you're seeing like these millions these games making millions if not billions of dollars <clears throat> but they are the technology has grown with them and so the ability to have more, uh, the, as the as the graphics have gotten better, and the 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 technology again has grown, the the computing power of all these games that they've been able to have more you know vocal performances, more real captured vocal performances, and everything like especially on these big games are also cinematic now. They're they're huge. There's giant world builders, right? There are these massive worlds that you can spend just hundreds of hours exploring <clears throat> and throughout all of it all the background there's always something going on there's always life sound design and some little voice that's kind of off in the distance and things like that so the um, it's been fun to to kind of grow with that world and i haven't got to do a lot i i, I wish i could do it again i wasn't la based so i didn't get to do a lot of video games that that I, as much as i've liked but i've definitely got to do a sum and some of my favorite have been um I a couple years ago I did this great talk about happy nostalgia for me like the point and click adventure games I loved the point and click like PC games of like oh walk, yeah walk over to this click this look at this yes grab this and then hold on to it and then use it six hours later for something else you right know, like, <laughs> oh I have this thing that's what I need. I loved those games. Yes. I thought that, right? I, 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 there was something really fun about the point-and-click adventure games, like um, Monkey, oh Monkey Island, The Adventures of Monkey Island, and then when they redid, um, when they they like remastered it, The Adventures of Monkey Island, like released it on the old Xbox or Xbox 360. Ah, oh, just so fun and so funny. I was a big fan of Discworld. Again, this is aging me, guys. I don't know if you guys ever. Uh, anybody familiar with Discworld? Terry Pratchett's. Oh yeah, Discworld at all? Yeah, so it was a great PC game mm -hmm. that was based around the a book and 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 series Terry Pratchett series Discworld, um, but it was very much that it was a wizard like a hapless wizard voiced by Eric Idle in the early '90s PC game, point and click. Highly recommend looking up watching videos of it. But again, so I got to do one of those recently, um, and it's called Angelo and Demon, and it's a very wild, wacky story of a YouTube blogger who gets mistaken by death comes to take somebody and he gets the wrong apartment number 
and he takes Angelo and brings him to hell. And Angelo's not supposed to be there, so now Angelo's got to get out of hell. So he partners up with this demon named Demon, and he wants to be a rapper. It's wild. It's wacky. But it's a point-and-click adventure game. And uh, I got to voice Angelo, be the, the titular character, one of the titular characters of Angelo and Demon. And that was a fun thing because it was one of those... Again, and this is what happens in the video game realm as well, is that you'll get this. It's just so many, uh, like, because, like, you have to vocalize any option that can happen, especially in a point-and-click adventure game. If, if the player clicks on something, was he going to respond if it works? Like, if there's a, an affirm, a yes response, or, yeah, that's, that's the right thing, or how does he react, right? So there's so many options, and you have to read all of those. And before the game is built and finished... I just have these lines. <laughs> I just have these lines kind of seemingly out of context. And so I kind of have to go really, really start to think fourth dimensionally. And being a puppeteer, that's helped me to kind of go, well, what is this kind of going to look like? What do I imagine this happening when this, you know, and the, the, the creators usually pretty good. It's like, you click this and it's the wrong thing, or this shocked you, or this, you know, something happened. This is the reaction. And that helped me, you know, figure out, oh, this is how I should read that line. This is how I feel like he would read that line in response to whatever the player does. But that takes, again, kind of like an audiobook, takes a long time. Takes a long time to read all of those options. And then, again, even with the other, so I love the point and click. You can watch the whole walkthrough of Angelo and Demon on YouTube and listen to me be this little snarky YouTube <laughs> YouTuber trying to navigate his way through hell. It's pretty funny. Um, I had a good time with it. Um, but some of these other games, you know, all the effort sounds and doing like, you know, death sounds hot, you know, like, you know, I got to you get punched in the shoulder, but now you're getting kicked in the stomach. Now you're getting stabbed in the leg, but now you just got shot in the back. Each one of those is a different vocalization, right? It's a different sound. It's a different reaction, different moment. So and you got to bank all those. So they're banking all that stuff because any of that stuff can happen at any time. So. Um, I love video games as a fun, re really fun to, to be a part of, of like, you know, these wild lines that could be said at any time as gameplay is happening. Um, but then things when something's very specific happens, doing those efforts and things like that. And my work in the dubbing realm, um, especially with uh, uh, animated projects from like uh, Japan or China or um, Korea, um, especially any of the fighting anime things you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of those there's a lot of effort and fighting sounds so having been trained and worked with that for many years as a as a dubbing voiceover artist um has helped me with you know just creating efforts for video games and things like that too definitely super fun it's a it's a super fun thing but again it's stuff like this that like people don't think about people really don't think all of the work that goes into it's why games take right two three years before they come out there's a game that just dropped now today called starfield or a couple days ago starfield and it's all over the place so many of my voiceover uh, colleagues and stuff that were a part of it are allowed to finally say hey i'm in this three years later you know it was all done during covid um right. so it's wild so i hopefully i in in the next hopefully by the end of the year i'll have like a good two or three things that I'll be able to like, hey, I'm in this, but I can't talk about it yet. Right. Because NDAs, my friends, are, are a real thing. <laughs> yeah.
But yeah, I mean, it's just I like to be able to. And thanks for asking me all these questions. And I know I'm 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 going on and on and on. But I uh, again, very similarly to why I wanted to start um, getting felt up, uh, the puppetry podcast was that you know to shine a light on a lot of the work, a lot of the stuff that goes behind the scenes. Um, And it's not to scare anybody away from wanting to do it. It's just a. I think it's it's helpful to be informed. It's like there's a lot more to it than just me putting on some headphones and standing behind a mic. And now I'm talking and now I can make money. You know, it's not as it's not no. as you guys know with puppetry. And I use puppetry and voiceover um, in tandem very much with this. There is this misconception that, oh, it's just this. It's just talking. It's super easy. I talk. I talk every day. I could do that. I can just plug in my microphone and start talking and making money. Um, same thing. It's like, oh, it's just puppets. I just got to look, put a thing. Up. There we go. I'm a puppeteer now. It's not as it's a lot. I always say there's a little more to it. There's a lot more to it than just that. And that's all. I just like to share that with with folk and things like that. But it is those added challenges, those added differences that keep things alive for me in all these different genres. And I've spent the better part of 20 years achieving the ability to do these different genres. I didn't just start out going, I'm doing all of it. I had a, one very particular focus, and then I started to branch off as I applied all my strengths and skills that I learned in one and applied it to the other one, learn more, apply that to the other one, learn more, and apply and apply and apply. So, And I'm, I'm constantly learning. I always consider myself, I coach, I teach, I work full-time for a living, but I'm a perpetual student. I'm constantly learning. I take workshops. I take... Um, I coach. I have my own coaches, my own mentors, and things like that that I still right. work. In addition, with in addition to coaching and doing workshops yourself. Exactly. Yeah, facilitating them myself and doing and being a coach and a teacher for others. I am also always learning and strengthening and practicing. It's very important um, to 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 keep doing it. To keep doing that. Never stop yes. learning. Never stop growing. Yes, and same goes with puppetry as well. Where oh, even yeah. if there's a oh, yeah. and the puppeteer who's been doing that character. You know, same character for over years you know they're still learning absolutely yeah. absolutely it's a mu- it's a muscle it's like I, I equate it to you know sports and it's something like that like it, the general public i like to use this analogy and i use this analogy in my coaching sessions with um in regards to puppetry and voiceover but i say like look at like ballet like nobody sits at a ballet performance you, you, you watch a ballet performance done by a professional company, and they make it look so easy. They just glide. They're just, like, effortless on the stage, right? Ballet. But nobody in that audience goes, oh, I can do that. Why not? Right. Why, when you, watch some, when you watch someone make it look so easy, and they're, and they're having fun, they're, you know, it's just effort, just gliding, flying, and you're just like, uh, that's amazing. But we somehow, we as humans, we know our physical limitations. We know, like, same thing with, like, you watching weightlifters, like, just uh, lift it up like it's nothing. But we don't go, I can do that. That's easy. Right. We don't do that, right? Why? But with this and with puppetry, we do, people do. They go, oh, it's just, oh, that's easy. I can do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting, and it's like, those people that make it look super, super easy, that voice actor that you love, that you've seen on the internet, that you've seen YouTube videos, they're behind the mic, and they're having a good time, and they're doing all kinds of wacky kind of stuff. Or you see that puppeteer, and he's looking down, and you're seeing that full, that, that, that my, one of my favorite moments as a kid 
was in the Jim Henson Hour, that last episode of the Jim Henson Hour, where they pan that camera down. This is taking me all the way back to the first thing that I mentioned, where I just wanted to know what was happening below the frame. And then Jim backed that camera up, and you got to see the performers with their characters up, and they're all looking at their monitors, and they're going, Ah! What's happening? And I was just like, Right? When that happens, you see that these people, you're like, Oh! Look at how they make it look so easy and so effortless and so much fun that we tend to go, oh, I can do that. That's easy. But when you see somebody, in, uh, an athlete or a ballerina uh, or a ballet dancer or a tap dancer, somebody that you're like, we know that they've trained for years, 10, 20 years to get that good. Gliding across, like watch Dancing with the Stars and all these dancers in their perfect form and they make it look so effortless. And, but we know that they work their is off for years to do that oh yeah but for some reason the general public and it's not everybody but more often than not the misconception of this is like oh it's just it's just i just gotta boop 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 ba, 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 ba. i'm a voice actor now. you know what i mean that there is that it doesn't take years of training that it doesn't take skill that it doesn't take practice that the ones that you see are also even though they are working consistently they're always still practicing it's just like i use it as a sports metaphor too it's like every pro athlete that you see they don't just show up to the game all right game game is on this day be there no they go to practice they have to practice right they have to train they have to work keep their anybody that does a professional musician in an orchestra or in a band Right? They don't just show up to the show. They don't just show up to the concert. They practice. They tune. They make sure their instrument is working. Right? They know how to use it and they, they practice. And that's what this is. That's what puppetry is. Especially with TV puppetry. That's a whole different thing. We didn't even get into like what monitor work is and how much of a brain flip that is when you first start to learn that. But that takes, and if you don't do that for a while, if you haven't done monitor work as a puppeteer, Say you did a little bit of it and then you don't do it for a while. Guess what? You're going to need to brush up. <laughs> you got to do a little bit of a brush up before you get to go on set. You know what I mean? You have to practice. You have to learn that skill and keep it, keep it, keep it up. So and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I, I, I like to stress that. I'm like, uh, I spent 20 years to get to what I'm doing and to have achieved the things and the roles and the, the, the gigs that I've been super blessed and, and grateful to have been a part of i worked 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 hard for it and i still work for it didn't just didn't just show up and go give it to me right you know what i mean and so yeah but again i'm not telling anything you don't know this is for people that are listening that want to do puppetry that want to do voice work you got to work it's called work it's, yes. you have to work for it yeah. and um doesn't mean you can't do it but you, you got to put the time you got to put the effort and keep your skills keep working on it Definitely. Practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's, yep. There is, there, yep. There, there. it's all about that. Right? Isn't it practice, little John? Yeah. So he knows. <laughs> He's still there. Yep. He's still there. He's still there. But yeah. After all that talking. He, he's especially, still there. especially, especially with puppetry, there is so much more. Like I see, I see people who, like on TikTok, for example, uh, who just do lip sync. And don't get me wrong. Lip sync is a good technique, but there's, like you said, there's a lot more character building. Like, what personality do they have? And how right. are they? Yeah, no, lip sync is a great to practice for 
yeah. your tech technical ability of being able to speak with your yeah. puppet and mm -hmm. doing yes and that it, absolutely lip sync to a song you know to be able to um work that muscle for sure mm -hmm. but um yeah if you're just doing that that's where you're gonna stay you have there again there's more if you want to grow with it if you want to yeah. do other things if you want to perform outside of just having a puppet that's gonna lip sync to stuff then yeah you have to expand upon that get get strong in that get strong in that technique and that base work on your lip sync don't flip top as you guys already know like there are there right. are specific ways to keep your eye focus when you drop your thumb you know to 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 speak with your puppet you know there's very specific technical elements therein as well it's not just opening it at the right time with all the syllables you know what right I mean? this is not what you want <laughs> when you're talking fast with a puppet learning how to drop syllables that kind of thing you know that's all part of the things that you go that you learn as you go on right yep, absolutely so you also got to work as an announcer on a handful of episodes of the wendy williams show yeah yeah for the uh... whole season actually for the whole like season 10 season 10 of the wendy williams show which is no longer on um, no longer yeah, on the air i was the, how, did, uh, how did that come about Audition, man. Audition through my agent. Nice. Yeah, Wendy Wendy Williams shows a wonderful show. I remember, I remember seeing that uh one kind of clip on YouTube where she has like this heavy like hat on, <laughs> and she like ends up like passing out or something. Oh yeah, no, she had a yeah, she and it was like just before she had a little bit of a, a health issue that mm. um that actually is what kind of spearheaded uh, the majority of my work ended up being was during the time that she had took taken time off of the show um because what had happened was it was kind of again oppor where opportunity meets preparation right um the she was she had to take a leave of absence from the show for her health reasons and what um typically happened for that show is that she would and she would do her own promos right for like the next episode or the the other episodes in the week right um and she would do that like she would record her show and then she would do the promos there live on set and they would cut those together when she left the show they had nobody to do those promos and so they casted for that and that's what i got hired for was to do these promos like monday you know and then read like you know um on coming up monday you know it's hot talk tuesday that kind of thing like just get everybody excited this is what's happening on tuesday on wendy and so it was those little promo spots for upcoming stuff and all the different affiliate stations um and the studio liked working with me i was super easy to work with and i was able to crank them out really fast and um they uh then the live show announcer that would like now here's somebody coming out right live from new york city it's the wendy williams show they had a live show announcer that they've just had and he got sick he got sick and he couldn't do some of these live because they had stuff banked like his live thing was banked and you just hit play live from new york city it's the wendy williams show now here's wendy right and they just had that in the bank he didn't have to do it every single time it was already in the can but with the new guest hosts they needed a new intro every single time and he ended up getting sick and couldn't do it and then they're like hey promo guy you want to do it 
Absolutely. So I did a lot of like live from New York City. It's the Wendy Williams Show. Now here's your guest host, Nick Cannon. Here's Don Lemon. You know, here's all of these people. So I got to do all of those like stuff. So I, I, my tenure started on that while uh, at season during season ten, where she had to take a leave, and then I was on when she came back, and then uh, then the season ended, and now the show's ended. So yeah, but yeah, it came about like, again. Opportunity meets preparation. The opportunity came up; they needed it, um, and it was a very it was a rush thing. The, this business too works real fast. Sometimes it's like, hey, we need this rush, rush. Like we need somebody now, and the audition came in. I was able to send it in within like five ten minutes because I work full time in this booth. So I'm able to turn all auditions pretty quickly. And they were like, great, done. Get them in. Let's get it done. You know? So, worked right. out in my favor. Definitely. Yep. Awesome. So, moving on from acting and puppetry, you've also worked in the sound department with Defunct TV and Defunct yeah. Land. Yeah. What's it like working with the sound department for those? Because that's well, an I, entirely I was, different thing. Well, yeah, I was the sound department. I was the editor. I was the sound editor. Again, that's my audio production, Beekaboo Studios, my audio production studio does stuff for uh, YouTube channels and things like that. And uh, I got connected with Kevin at Defunct Land through Dan uh, when he was doing Disney Dan. They were doing stuff together, a lot of theme park stuff. And, um, yeah, I reached out to him, and I was like, hey, man, I love your content. I love your stuff. I love your mini documentary stuff. I love your documentary style. I was like, but you could sound better. <laughs> So it could sound a little bit better. And he was like, "You, I agree. You want to do it? And I was like, absolutely. So I became um, his editor for um, for all his narration and and uh, dialogue editor for a couple of his other um, feature pro uh, productions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been working with Defunct Land for the last three, four years. Yeah, my favorite episode of Defunct Land is the one about the uh, the Disney Channel theme. Oh yeah, I mean that that was a massive one. It's it's an incredible piece. That was basically a feature documentary. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I yeah, love that. that. I love it, that. It's episode. an incredible one. The other another big one that we worked on just before that was uh the whole history of the Fast Pass. Oh yeah, another yeah. excellent one. And therein, um, I also got to play a, a, a few different characters. I got to play like the boss of the park that's in there. So I got to play some characters as well as um doing all the audio editing. Um, but my favorite collaboration that I've gotten to do with Kevin at Defunct Land and uh, also d part of Defunct TV and with Dan is uh, we did a whole docu-series, like a six-part series on the on the life of Jim Henson, the history of Jim Henson. Did you guys watch those? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And oh, what yeah. Was, was cool about that, so awesome. being, being a part of that, which is an incredible little docu-series uh, about the life and work of Jim Henson, but my favorite thing that I got to do, in addition to you know editing all of those, was um, I also um, did the uh, wrote, performed, recorded um, the Squarespace commercials that are that precede each one of those that we did in the style of uh, Jim Henson's like Wilson coffee ads, the old classic Wilson coffee ads. Oh my and gosh! Yes, two, <laughs> two oh, like original characters, one character that I uh, built and one character that Dan had built. And that I've just had laying around, and we called them Boss and Cody, and we did this whole like Squarespace ad series that I fired up, threw up my green screen, and I got a, a very talented puppeteer, uh, um, friend of mine, Calvin Lester, who's down here in Orlando. Ah, uh, oh, yes, yes, Calvin, bird call fame, and and like puppet yeah. Oh, yeah. master to the stars at Disney. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, there you go. This is that Bird yep. Call album. Yep. I think I'm on. I'm actually. Bird Call fan. I think I'm on that album. I'm actually on that album. 
um, played a few different characters on that album as well. Oh, I really? believe my name is on that nice. CD. Yeah, we... I'll, I'll pull it um, nice. after nice. but yeah, yeah we so... actually did. Um, we recently had did like uh, a reunion interview with most of the cast from it to celebrate the uh, 20th uh, anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Calvin Kelsey, yep. yeah. I yes. thankfully when yeah. in my stint when I first moved to Florida, I got I I ended up working with Disney. Yeah, is can, my name in there? Can confirm. Yes. Nailed it. Calvin, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So Calvin. Again, not one of my nearest and dearest, and work with a lot of collaborate. We oh, did uh, the Muppets God. in Disney World. Yes, together yes. I was part of the opening cast of the Muppets uh, in um, Liberty Square. Uh, super great times. And um, but I was like, hey, you want to come help me with these? And he was like, absolutely. So uh, yeah, so we shot all those in like a day. And I got to put those up. And those were some of my favorite little things that we got to do, those fun little Squarespace commercials. And honestly, I think if you go on YouTube, you can look up, like, Boss and Cody, uh, Squarespace, or whatever. And there's, like, somebody put a whole, like, supercut of all of them together, which is kind of fun. Mm. Uh, ah, that's but, cool. yeah, I helped uh, uh, wrote, recorded. I do the voices of both Boss and Cody. We pre-record, I pre-recorded them, cut those together. And then um, Calvin and I puppeteer. Calvin puppeteers Cody and I puppeteer uh, Boss in all of those spots, and those are super fun. I was like, Cody, what are you doing? He's like, well, boss, you told me to re- use the the first one we did, and that was the spur of it. Cody's just, like, flapping a net around. He's like, Cody, what are you doing? Well, boss, you told me to catch potential customers using the net, so I am. And he's swiping net, and then he swipes his head, and he's like, Cody, what should you have done? Uh, I should have used Squarespace. You know, quick, 20 seconds Squarespace thing, and then I got to be the Squarespace. And yes, Cody should have used Squarespace. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like all through all of those spots. So I had a hand in making all of those. So I, I uh, those are I'm really proud of those. Those came out. Yes, great. definitely. Yes, so yes, absolutely. And since we're about to wrap up, I want to mention a couple of things going back to Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny T. T. Yes, um, it's really cool that like we met. So we talk about Imagine Ocean, yeah. where whereas Brush and Bubbles like kind of came yeah. about because of the Imagine Ocean name. Because and of it inspired him, you know, to do that yeah. show, which you know, Brush and Bubbles is an amazing show and oh, so we, good. Yes, yes, and, and it's all done. Johnny it's all done with with puppeteers. It's digital puppetry. It's they mm-hmm. use oh, yeah. the digital uh-huh. uh, the digital puppetry. Um, um, I, I got, I'm forgetting the name of it now of what what it's actually called, but um, the digital puppetry rig that they basically the, the Jim Henson Company kind of created for um, Sid the Science Kid, yeah, the Dinosaur uh-huh. Train, and um, that's what again that's one of those cool things that a lot of people don't know. They just think it's like CGI, it's just CG, but it's not. It's actually no. it's it's computer generated character, but it's being live manipulated by a real puppeteer, by a live puppeteer, yeah, um, and and. I think you can probably see some behind the scenes of like Leslie on the rig, like doing the um, uh, play uh, bubbles, bubbles, um, and, and Johnny fish. doing splash, and, yeah. and Johnny doing splash, and so yeah, it um, it all stemmed from Imagine Ocean, you know, which came about uh, from him, you know, um, snorkeling one day and seeing just seeing all these fish and just kind of coming up with this idea, and then that started as a cruise ship show. It was on the cruise ship for a little bit in a, like a small form, and then as they were workshopping it in New York, they're like, "This this could be like a uh, you know, we could beat this up and make this like a a bigger yeah. show." And then mm-hmm. so that's when I became part of Imagine Ocean in that the the forty five minute like full length version. Um, and then again, that's a passion project that he just held on to, and then yeah. through his yeah, and can I say goes with. 
Yeah, I kind of same goes with Johnny and the Sprites as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, amazing, exactly. amazing show. Johnny and Sprites, such a good, such a great show. Again, yes, it's just so Johnny amazing. following his passion and and, yeah, yeah, and he's making been creating, a beautiful. He's been creating stuff for years. Yep, and then again, yeah. it rolls right into Fraggle Rock, and he takes you know this this love and care and 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 intention that Jim Henson had. Um, yes. And he said, I'll never forget too, when our opening night of Imagine Ocean, he said Jim Henson always wanted to do a full length, a full stage like puppet musical, and this is something that he always wanted to do and never got a chance to do. So now we're doing it. Um, so we, you know, and that's that that was been a through line for Johnny, for sure. That carried on to all Absolutely. of us doing it as well in, yeah. in honor of Jim. And um, yeah. yeah, and then that rolled into then Jim Henson. Um, you know, taking that property and then it became Splash and Bubbles. Yes. Uh, for for yeah. a PBS series. I yeah, like I said, you know, he yeah, he's doing an amazing job for Gobo for keep going legacy of what Jerry has done oh, for Gobo yeah. for the Westinol series. And, and that mean, comes down honestly, that just it comes down to everything that I was been saying earlier about character work. Like Johnny knows yes. who that character is. He's yeah. connected to Gobo on such a on such a real what level. Gobi, what Gobo is, you know. Yeah, who yeah. Gobo is, who Gobo is, and it, that carries through, and it's it's yeah, and, and and he he, as anybody you know, and I I can say this when I was when I took over um Crow when I was playing Crow, Crow was preceded by me by two very uh, talented performers, uh, three uh, prior to when I um took it over, um, or when I had my my setup to it, and um, I. Always, and I think uh, any performer, and Johnny is very much included in this, you know, when you're playing a character that has existed before you and was per portrayed or brought to life from another performer, is to do, not only are you doing, you know, harnessing and just doing that character justice and really understanding and knowing who the character is as they were created, but then also doing justice to the prior performance, the performance mm -hmm. of the, the originator, the original performers. And when my crow, when I performed him, was basically like an amalgam of everybody, of, of Trace and of Bill and of Hampton, and I kind of put them together and then added my own little bit to it, too, yeah. to kind of make him my own as well. And I think that's, that's what every actor does when they take over a role. Um, what, they, what they aim to do is to just, the character is priority the character takes precedence of who this character is and doing them justice but then also um nods and 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 and, and keeping with what the original performer did as well definitely yeah, yeah exactly and actually previously chad with sean altman one of the members of earlier yeah man wonderful so that's awesome Wonderful. Yeah. So since we're close He's to wrapping wonderful. up, um, are there any words you'd like to say to those who have kind of supported and followed your career? Um, honestly, thank you. Thank you. I'm not on any of the social medias. Um, I, I had to step away from social media for, you know, family reasons, mental health reasons. Social media just wasn't kind of doing it for me. Makes um, sense. Yeah. So I, um, I pretty much am just on the LinkedIn now. We just live in the professional world there. I mean, but on my, you can keep, tabs with me my website natebeagle.com beagleboothstudios.com um you can see all my past work and current stuff and um, a lot of workshops workshops and webinars and stuff that i'm doing um 
But, uh, yeah, anybody, and you guys, thank you for inviting me on. Um, I, we've talked for a while. Your pleasure, I yeah. I didn't think it was going to go go this long. But, again, I no, did. Living, and I can just, uh, no all. you know, it went long, didn't it, John? Yeah! And, um, Even he. So, You're good, man, uh, yeah. He's still, he's still with us. He's still, you, you good? Okay! Okay, he's okay. Um, but, uh, no, I, I uh, thank you to anyone and, and everyone who's followed me and, uh, all of the fun endeavors that I've been a part of, and um, I, I love it. I, it, it. This is my passion: bringing, telling, bringing stories to life, characters, words to life, and also bringing joy and happiness, and and, and just entertaining people is literally been my through line, my passion, and it's what I always want to imbibe in all of the work that I do. So I think anyone who has followed me and uh, signs up at my website, you can also, if anybody's interested in voiceover work, um, and um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can reach out to me on my website. I also have, you can sign up on my website, and for free, every week I'll send you a little VO tip, a free voiceover tip um, in your inbox um, every week, and then you get uh, first-hand updates on any uh, new stuff. Um, any of my drops of the, the new projects and stuff that are coming out, but also any of my um, updates on workshops and webinars and classes and things like that Absolutely. that I have going on. But any awesome. good fun, uh, I, I like to put a nice little VO tip for people that are looking to get into this biz. Um, but, this yeah. is our show, yeah. But yes. again, it's, uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to, to, to ramble on. And, um, Absolutely. and I hope people are still listening or watching or... All yes. of that kind of stuff. We hope yes, so. And, <laughs> and the last, uh, the last yes, question. And, and yes, and the... your and your LinkedIn and your so social media website and everything will be in the description down below, so people can oh, awesome. can follow yes. you and, and connect. Yes. Yeah, so yes. the last question that Matt's about to ask is a question we ask all of our guests at the end. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, thank okay. you, Chris. Of course, this podcast is called Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show. When you think of nostalgia, yeah. what do you think of? Or it's you alive, it's alive, it's alive. Well, that's one thing. Yes, that's one yes. thing. Nostalgia's yes. alive. Um, nostalgia's no, I'm alive. Sorry. What, what do what, I think of? When when you think of nostalgia, what do you think of? Or in your own words, how do you define the word nostalgia? Nostalgia, nostalgia, I think is just it's love. It's it's love for it. it it's love that's that that carries on. It's love that sticks with you. Um, that's the first thing that jumps to my mind when you think about something that's nostalgic. It's something that you hold on to, right? It's a connection. It's a connection that has sustained time. Um, if that makes sense. That's, that's how yeah. I feel about what Absolutely. that is. Like, I loved this and I still love it. Right. And it can change. I feel like it can morph. You know, there are definite things where it's like, I loved this as a kid. And then I watch it now and I go, whoa, that's horrible. Why did I like this? You know, or like, yikes, that didn't hold up well. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like, case in point, like I used to love, you know, when we talk about nostalgia, I was like, oh, man, that was my favorite as a kid. Like I loved Howard the Duck, the movie Howard the Duck. I don't know if you guys have ever oh, seen yeah. the original movie. Mm. Um, and I loved it as a kid. And I watched it recently, within the last couple of years, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> wow. I don't remember any of this. Yikes. There's a lot of the movie that does not hold up, and a lot of it is super wild. I'm like, how did I? Why did I? What? Um, so it's interesting. And so it's interesting how nostalgia can – you can have a – a view of something that uh, remember how you loved something 
and then look at it through your today goggles and go, ooh, okay, I'm going to remember loving it there <laughs> and, and try to forget what I just saw. Um, so that's part of it. But I think, yeah, nostalgia, it's a connection. It's love that, that just kind of transcends time and sticks with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I think nostalgia is definitely a big part of, you know, what keeps me kind of going. One, you know, it's an enjoyment thing. It's something that we, we all, nostalgia is also big business. We, we try to um, capitalize on what, our youth, you know, what we had. Oh, remember this toy? Before my mom, like, sold all of my He-Man toys at a garage sale for a, in a box for 25 cents. And it's like, yeah, that Castle Grayskull. I wish I had that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's that pull. So, again, I think it's a connection. It's a connection. It's a love that just that transcends time. Absolutely. Great words, Sun. Nate, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was an absolute blast. Thank you, guys. And yeah, thanks for letting me go on and on and on. I can go on. I can keep Special thanks to Bob for connecting us. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So thank you. And thank you very much for for what you're doing over the years. You know, as you know, for you've done, it's just wonderful what you what you're doing. I, I'm glad we were able to do this thing. Thank Keep you. So it's, it's a pleasure chatting with you guys. Store for you. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Sure. Such a pleasure chatting with you guys. Thank you guys so much. Yes. yes. Keep in touch. So I'll, keep in touch. I'll let you know when this goes up, Nate. Perfect. Awesome. You guys All have right. an awesome rest of your day. Yeah. Thank see you too, Nate. Bye bye. Thank you. You too, Nate. Bye. Take care. Bye. Yes. And it's goodbye from us as well. Yes, we absolutely enjoyed our time with Nate Beagle. Again, special thanks to DJ Bob for connecting us. Ready, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Um, because I've heard I've heard a bit about Bob, uh, you're the best. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've heard a, I've we've heard a bit about Nate from a DJ Bob, and we're very glad that he was able to connect the both of uh the both of us to do this wonderful chat. Yes. Um as always, keep on the lookout for more uh wonderful interviews. And as always, what do we say, Jake? Keep nostalgia alive. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful Jake's Happy Nostalgia Show interview. Be sure to follow Jake and the crew on social media and stream the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, remember to keep nostalgia alive. Bye-bye.